bowels of One Half Radio Plaza at Life Media Studios, Sidetracked with Armstead and Poosh. Brought to you by the Second Baptist Bar and Grill, your exorcism specialist. Yep. Yep. What happened? It's a lot bigger in here this week. I don't are, know. Less are, people? Are we on? Well, that, but there might actually be people listening this time. <laughs> I ain't going to go that far. I guess we should say it. Kind of live for the first time with Pulling Radio Network. Uh, this is Sidetrack's debut for uh, those outskirting people who haven't been cool enough to get on with us before this. Uh, no, great to be on with them. Great group of guys we're going to be working with here. And uh, welcome to Sidetracked with Armstead and Posh. My name's Armstead. I'm Posh. Hey, go figure. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? You'll soon figure out a not very good one. <laughs> Big thanks to uh, Ray Taluki and everybody with PRN for giving us this opportunity to do this. And of course, the people who make this all go. Polar Air Compressor, Tether Pooling Performance, Connor Fuel Systems, High Rev Technology, Allmark Sales, Upstate Safety and Supply, Life Media Solutions, and probably some people we're forgetting. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure there are, and we're going to have a lot of that. Mispronunciations and names, and yeah, don't hold your hopes too high. We're just some guys north of Detroit, as everybody keeps referring to us, you know. So, oh, what do we got in store for Sidetracked here tonight? I know we do have some stuff to touch on in the news. Some small poll that went on down in Kentucky this week. Yeah, we got to cover that. And then in our roundtable later tonight... What type of show as a fan do you like to go to? Yeah, it's going to be kind of a smaller roundtable here tonight. Just, I don't know, lack of ambition recovering for that little poll down there in Kentucky. But uh, we got a little bit to go over here. Why don't we get started? Uh, we do have something to bring up for our TTPA family. And those of you I know, he pulled in southwestern Ontario area pulling antiques. Keep uh, Mr. John Griggs. In your prayers, uh, not doing good. Back in the hospital uh, with pneumonia and uh, rapid heartbeat. So prayers to John. Speedy recovery. Uh, long, long time puller out there. Yeah, Johnny's been with us for, for a very long time. Very beloved figure in the pit area. And uh, so we, we hope to see Johnny right back out there on that red golf cart uh, come spring. Yeah, one of those guys, he tells you to make a change on your tractor. You better you listen. Don't, you don't question it. You just shut up and do it, and you follow his method to do it. Yeah. So uh, prayers to you, Johnny, and uh, hopefully by now he knows you might even be out of the hospital. We haven't heard any updates. Yeah, so. I haven't talked to Lisa either, so I'm not 100% sure, but yeah. So let's go on a little bit of NATPA action, recap what's going on with them and what's coming up uh, from everything I've heard, Charles. Great, successful first-time pull out in Iowa. Biggest turnout of the year, they said. Over 450 hooks this past weekend out there. Wow, great job to the Barber family and everybody involved out there. Uh, stepping up and taking the Topeka, Kansas spot uh, out in Iowa. Uh, great to have another pull step up. Kind of lost a couple this year for NATPA. And uh, good to have a void fill. Hopefully we get somebody to cover uh, Talmage uh, pretty quick here. Hopefully the Spillman boys can get that one up and running. Yeah, I don't. Well, I don't. I think I think Talmadge for this year that's a dead dead deal. But they will be back on the calendar next year. That's a for certain. We do know that. And uh, yeah, it looked like a nice facility out there, Waterloo Hockey Arena, that they were able to uh, bring dirt in and 
Odd this time of year that it's not being used for its intended purpose, but hey, whatever. I guess they're not up in the great white north like us. No, I mean, yeah, well, that's why we lost. I didn't lost... know they had hockey in Iowa. <laughs> right? And, well, that's why we lost our original building. Well, uh, Michigan's a beautiful Oscar. state. I think you like it a lot. <laughs> yeah, we lost our original building because they moved up uh, when when they wanted to have hockey in that arena. and, and Plus, it really didn't hurt our feelings because... Um, after the first year, they put chiller lines in that concrete floor, and we really didn't want to break any of those. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what do we got coming up for NATPA right now? I know we've got some topics we want to cover, and we will have Bob DeBerg on here in the near future. Yeah. But uh, what do they got going on right now? Well, they're in. we're actually in the home stretch for their schedule. They'll be in Princeton, Indiana this coming weekend, and then after that, I think there's only... Before we get to Mason, I think there's only one other hook in there. Yeah, I believe one more west. Lebanon, Missouri, maybe? Yes, Lebanon yeah. should be it. Uh, unfortunately, we said Talmadge not going to be there. No. That would have been the next stop. But we are they are going to be wrapping things up with us up here in Mason, Michigan. Uh, second year pull this year for them, yep. and they are getting the points championship. I know you and I will be out there. Uh, they get to listen to our pretty voices all weekend. Yeah, it'll be our, 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 well, my first announcing gig of the year, yeah. Same here. Well, yeah, second for me, actually. Yeah. So, And there will be the rules meeting, too. I think that's going to be on Friday evening after the Friday yes. session. Yeah, the qualifier session. So uh, definitely a lot to look forward to with that. And uh, best of luck to everybody heading down to Princeton. Uh, some warmer weather down there, from what I've heard, 65 degrees. I hear this weekend is supposed to be nice. I don't know what it's going to do down there. I know up here it's going to be warmer. It's supposed to be really windy on Friday. but Yeah, we're hoping to hit, what, 20, 21 this weekend? Yeah, well, any of you guys who uh, are heading heading from uh, Michigan down to Indiana, be careful on Friday driving those semis because they're talking like fifty mile an hour wind gusts and stuff like that. So keep your keep your rig greasy side down. All right, throw an extra binder on, boys, and call it good. Uh, well, let's go in. Let's recap what went on at that teeny weeny little pull down in a little small town called Louisville, Kentucky. I guess before we really get excuse into that me. part, excuse me. Louisville. Louisville. Say it right. This is your first trip down there for that. I'd kind of like to hear your, your reaction to visiting for the first time. You know, we got we, it was a whirlwind trip for us. And uh, well, some people turn off the ringers, but other people don't. Mr. Sound Engineer, who yells at us every time a beep goes on. <laughs> I'm not sure he knew where that came from. Technically, that wasn't my phone. <laughs> okay, whatever. We're not going to touch that. He's got all that Apple stuff over there. I don't understand it either. Dave Foltz probably would have had a free field day with that one, but we'll He just... probably is right now. Oh, yeah, you know he is. But uh, Louisville, Kentucky, or Louisville, we had a whirlwind trip down there, left here in Michigan, 5, five 6 o'clock. We were finally on the road heading down there. We didn't get into Louisville till, uh 1 a.m., so didn't get into anything Friday down there. Weather kind of slowed our trip down, but... Uh, Got to the venue about 11 o'clock. I had my first Waffle House experience. That was pretty awesome. I still haven't been to one of those. Yeah, it's worth going to once. <laughs> once? A couple times. <laughs> no, it's it's acquired taste. I know my wife wasn't too impressed, but I thought it was decent eats, you know? So I uh, got to the venue uh, down there, and holy shit. That's a small building. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're talking broadband or freedom? The entire complex. Oh, okay. You're being a, you're being facetious. Yeah. You're you're quick on the draw today. Uh, Have another beer. You'll understand it. 
You drank a lot. <laughs> but uh, definitely a really cool venue there. Um, we came in off the south entrance. And uh, first thing I had to do is go on air with Pulling Radio Network, go on with li- live with uh, Dave Foltz, and uh, announce Sidetrack coming to join them. You called in, but trying to find your way from the south entrance all the way over to the corner of Broadbend. Took you, what, about 90 minutes? I finally stopped and asked the guy, go, listen, <laughs> I have no effing clue where the hell I am. I know I'm in Freedom Hall, but where the hell do I go? Oh, you go through this building here, and then when you run out of building there, you make a left, and you go down this building here, and then you hang right when you get... Th- I'm like, how many buildings do you have? Explains why in the 10 years that I have gone to it, I've never seen the whole show, ever. See, we didn't get to see much of the show. We got done with the... With the live show, finally found my way to Broadbent, and uh, you know it's cool. Unfortunately, didn't get to get in the pits. The pits were closed by the time we got there and got done with the show. We had to roll right into the pole. Oh, gotcha. So I, I really did not get to see much of the fire machinery show, other than what we quick drugged my wife through as we hurried through. <laughs> but uh, definitely a cool venue. Getting down there to see Freedom Hall, the pole go on there. Getting to see one of the granddaddies of the sport that was on my bucket list for a long time, and. Uh, did you eat any ice cream? No, I didn't. Oh, man. You missed out. Now you tell me this. Should have told me that earlier, but uh, really cool trip getting to see uh, Mr. Eric Pruitt down there and getting to meet Dave. He's different. We'll go into that another time. Different? You two are peas in a pod. <laughs> That's why I'm picking at him, but no, uh, great to be down there. Uh Got to meet the guy from Mad Pulling Picks. Can't think of his name offhand. Adam Drought. Yeah, Adam Drought. There you go. Really cool guy. Uh, actually, he's the one who took our picture to post it up there, me and Dave together. Ah, so good. Um, so it's his camera that had to suffer that abuse. Yes, thank God for him. But uh, cool getting into Freedom Hall. We had seats behind the sand pile up in the nosebleeds, but uh, really cool watch. Got to watch the 7,500-pound diesel 4x4 pickups. Uh, pro stock, of course. I mean, you can't go without or not see a pro stock pull. No. And uh, we got to watch the light super stocks. And uh, got to give a shout out, Eli Lisk, uh, the guy I got to announce with the light limited super stocks in uh, Gordyville. Geez, oh, rub it in, why don't you? <laughs> uh, great guy from Illinois. He, 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 we look at watching the pull get started and all that. And uh, this guy comes walking up and I go, oh, wait, that's Eli. So he sat down. It was nice having somebody similar to you, you know, uh, the real pulling gearhead announcer type where we could just talk and actually understand each other. Whereas the people I went with were kind of like, huh, what? So uh, got to see some cool rides down there, though. Uh, the one that stands out is uh, the commander's run. Oh, Yes. Yeah, well, and then get her done doing it right after. Yeah, uh, rough night. Uh, I did. I didn't get get her done on uh, video. I did get video of Commander uh, popping both tires. One of them uh, making a beeline over, trying to attack Butch Krieger. Um, <laughs> gotta love yeah. Dave Bennett's tall rea- reaction. To all that. You know what? Two of the greats down there, and I could listen to Dave Bennett announce probably a soapbox derby and just he does a real good job. Yeah, enthralled. But a really cool venue down there. One thing I didn't realize is the dirt that was in there this year is the same dirt that's been in there for 50 prior years. Yeah, which which you brought it up, so let's get into that for a minute. It's really amazing to me that the the, the, the fair board and the committee there, the, I think it's Dan Christian and his company that the last 
whatever, 15 or 20 years anyway, have been responsible for bringing the dirt in, laying it down and doing the track prep and all that work. And even though that dirt doesn't stay in there year after year, after year, after year, it's a fairly similar track. There's still just one or two ways to get down it and that's it. And it's the same every time you start, you know, right of center and it's going to suck you left or you hug that right side line. And those are the two ways to the sand pile. And that's all there is. Yeah, definitely a really cool thing. And, uh, Kind of going from Gordyville, seeing the, how they shuffle the tractors to seeing how they do it down there. The They got that down to a science, as they should, after 50-plus years of doing it. Yeah. But uh, really cool getting to see the stuff indoors and sit there. And uh, kind of wish I could have stayed for the championships. I actually get to hear the mods inside Freedom Hall. But oh, my God. That didn't work out. We went to uh, Forest. rattle your soul. Oh, even better. But I uh, went downtown to Fourth uh, Street Live. If you're ever down in Louisville, highly recommend doing it. A great collection of uh, bars and kind of uh, gastropubs and things like that, you know, all go- grouped together. And just I hear gastropub, and I just I turn and walk away. I'm sorry. You know what? We Thirteen dollar went- cheeseburger? No, no. You know, it was some different food, but it was good. And uh, then we went up to the PBR uh, bar there, and uh, oh, is there one in Louisville? Oh, is there ever? <laughs> God bless America. <laughs> I went to the one that's in uh, in Vegas when I was out there out west. Do they have the same uniforms, the girls in chaps and riding chaps? And no, oh, that was in Gillies. That was in Gillies up the street. <laughs> <laughs> there were some really good looking ladies there and some very very great outfits. So better be careful. Dave's going to hear this. He's going to get all excited, and we can't have that right now. But uh, well. He can go to the one in Louisville, but he can't leave the state, remember? Oh, yeah. But uh, definitely a great time down there. Uh, be honest with you, and we'll get into this later. I'm not going to run right back down there next year, but uh, it's definitely something you got to go to at least once. So Yeah, and I haven't been. I think 08 was the last year that I went, so I'm kind of... I, I do want to go back. I'm at my threshold now where I've, I'm ready to ready to go make a return. See, I I think my next hook has got to be Toma. I got I got to get out to Wisconsin and go to Toma. So, yeah, it'd be fun. In my I mean, no, don't get me wrong. Louisville's a great show and has a ton of prestige. It's a big deal. Um, but I do agree with what a lot of people say about the about it. It's it's expensive. The tickets are really expensive, and the show is. I'm sorry, it's a bit stale. They haven't made a major shakeup in the lineup since 1999, and it's there's there's an element of predictability to it. Well, I guess not enough, as we will get into later. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get on, keep rolling here. Uh, we're burning <clears throat> minutes away, and Ray will yell at us if we go over again. So let's get on to the results. How do we want to do this? Do we just want to do the finals, or actually, there's there. Well, we can talk about everything. I guess we don't need to go through it line by line. But there were some interesting things that I noticed and happened to see. I, I did get the chance, thanks to uh, whoever's behind it, the guys at Moore Motorsports on Facebook. They were posting every run, and I think they only missed a handful. They weren't there on Saturday, so I couldn't see a lot of the Saturday passes. But everything else, I was oh, able good. to watch so the I whole don't, show. I don't feel so bad about blowing her Facebook message no. board. Up. No, it was perfect because I lost my live feed. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> Our sound engineer was pulling his hair out, though. (laughs) (laughs) I just muted you. (laughs) Hey, no different than being in studio. So, Um, Anything stood out to you on Wednesday night? 
Um, yeah, there, well, a couple things. The, no real surprises, I guess, in terms of results. Uh, one guy we were really looking forward to doing really well was Travis Schleback in the Bone Twister and Diesel Supers. He had all the power in the world from what I could see. Just had a really wild run. I, it might have. I couldn't tell from the angle that Moore Motorsports filmed it from. He might have broken a tie rod in the steering too. It was it was that crazy. See, I haven't had a chance to watch any of the polls. Uh, one disappointment for me, Kent Payne, another one, just not getting it done down there. Yeah, I mean Travis kind of did. Well, he did what we when we're announcing we call he took the scenic route. It works great if you have a ground wheel, not with a laser. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, I know Jeff Demers and Smoking Hot Deer had a had a bad run. He broke a rod in the bottom end and did some engine damage there. And Brian Schrammick, the young blood, I don't never heard anything specific, but it just looked like he, the, it never hooked up. I don't know if there was a clutch issue or what. It wasn't buzzing the tires off. The RPMs were there. It just didn't move. Interesting to say the least. Uh, mods, anybody stand out there for you? Uh, no, Adam Bauer was kind of interesting. He had tons, like they always do. I mean, they just make those engines scream. I, I'd hate to guess. It had to be 11,000 RPM or more. But he chose the left side of the track to run, and it just didn't do anything for him. I saw some guys trying that on Saturday, and it just they just did not work. Right. But by the end of Saturday, they were just trying to find any line they could down the track. The track had gone away. Yeah, and I think as you get later in the week, that that tends to be the case. And then the pro stocks, really nothing. I mean, it was, I won't say predictable, but because it, it certainly wasn't, but there was nothing there that was a terribly surprising run. Uh, other than, well, Carlton Cope, I suppose. Uh, he tried that left side as well, yeah. and he got bit by the chalk. Yep. Yeah, that was definitely the standout disappointment there. Um, tough break for them. Oh, Thursday night. It's it's weird starting out on Wednesday night with these <laughs> classes, you know, because you don't think about it. The poll's actually done by Saturday night, you know. Yeah, so. for sure. Super Farm. Um, no real surprises to me there. Not terribly, but the seven, eight, and nine finishers all all together, Jed Pettis, Chris Couch, and Steve Kavan, I would have really expected those three to perform a little bit better than they did. Yeah, definitely. A little disappointed there. Russ Freeze, another one, just yeah. didn't get the run you'd expect out of the deer tracks. 6,200-pound, two-wheel drive pickups. Nothing really surprising here, uh, as you'd expect. Petro's having two hooks in the it going into the finals. Yeah. Um, I got to give her a shout out though to to Brent Seacrest and the nothing easy about it two wheel drive the T bucket out of Salina, Ohio, uh making the fourth transfer spot. Uh good region 2 truck getting in there with the GN and PPL guys and and making a statement that hey there's tough pulling here on the regional level too. Oh, absolutely. There's it's a class you really see and pick up more and more steam in the local levels because it's a fairly inexpensive class so to speak for a grand national class to get involved with yeah and then down the bottom uh two guys that really had a bad showing and, and aren't happy about it brian nelson the texas stampede something broke in the drive line uh pretty obvious there and same for jeff schaefer in the win loser draw he had to bring his new truck his, his tea bucket and it's not complete it wasn't done he wanted to run his old chassis, but there was so much damage done at Cloverdale a couple of weeks ago that he just said, look, I can't fix this thing as fast as I can get the new one ready. Not where he wanted to debut the brand new truck, but there it was. And, you know, unfinished business, but uh, 
you know, he wanted to honor his commitment and he got the invite. So he felt obligated to show up and had that, had the opportunity to, to go with the new machine. So, so there it was. All right. 8,000 pounds, super stock alcohol tractors. I honestly can't say anybody. And if you tell me you are surprised by the top two places of that one, you are so full of shit. Your eyes are brown. Yeah, no, there's nothing surprising about anything that happened there. Uh, Sid Broughton being the bottom of the list and Joe Kwiatkowski, uh, actually I'm reading, somebody needs to learn how to spell down there at, uh, champion, champion pulled or champ org. uh, from doors and shut the door. It's not uh, from D O O R. It's D O R R. There's a stutter on the R, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Jeff hurt fast lane breakage. You got, it's not surprising. It's Jeff hurt, but. Definitely, he's got to be tough on him having the having a running bear blow up on him down at Gordyville, and uh, then coming into Louisville and breaking fast line. Looked like it wasn't an internal engine this time around, like it was at Gordyville. So I don't know what what let go a pipe pipe let go a whacked an oil line started the fire. I don't know, but that's kind of what it maybe looked like. But you know, another one we got to say it. We're not trying to pick on Jeff. This guy wrenches on all his own stuff. He does everything yeah. in-house. So Builds his own chassis. It's all him. Props to him. Yeah. And the fact he keeps going year after year out there, major kudos to you. Yeah, for sure. We are going to keep picking on you, though. <laughs> all righty then, beer. Um, all righty then. Hey. <laughs> all right. Um, Super Farm on... Saturday, Friday night. Got to give a shout out. Lee Butts, Fairgrove, Michigan. Ninth place finish for the press on IH. Got to be happy with that being your first year running Grand National. Yeah, I think he was test hook in that session and decided to keep it. What might have been? Did he leave something on the table? I don't know. He very well could have, but another one. Not real surprised. Uh, one of your picks, Dave Whalen, coming in number two there. So uh, Michigan boy getting it done there. James Slama, Fast and Furious, coming in third. You know, really nice, high maintenance, you know, coming in sixth. You know, names that really stand out, and uh, glad to see some good running out of these guys. Yeah, I think this was the first class that ran on Friday evening, right? Yes. Yeah, so we had what he had happened going on in this class really was build a road. Um, hooks one, two, and three came and didn't, didn't hold up, but um, – the fourth place finisher or fourth place starter wound up third. The fifth place starter wound up second, and the sixth place starter won the thing. And then the track went away after that. Nobody could get could find anything to get down there. You, you can see by the end of the class, guys were experimenting with moving around on the big end toward the left. You know that's something you really see on the indoor tracks as compared to the outdoor tracks. And I've tried to explain that to people when you move indoors, especially for these diesel guys. First thing they lose is something a lot of these drivers depend on. And that's the smoke. Yeah. You know. They do drive by the stack. A they, lot of them. A lot of them do. Not many guys can drive by the gauges or just by the seat of their pants. And, but you don't see that as much here in Louisville. You got a hmm. lot of very experienced drivers who've ha- who've, who are used to have that back tube hooked up to them. Yeah, but uh, the indoor pulling, it is the first couple hooks. You're going to be SOL. Yeah. And a late hook indoors is not normally good. No. You want to be that very early middle pack area. Yeah, for sure. I've got some numbers on that here when we get done going through everything that I I crunched on. I I crunched some numbers, too. 
And uh, yeah, no, I didn't. You know better than that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, definitely uh, something to look forward to if you ever want to go indoors is, yeah, you got to change your whole style. 6,200-pound two-wheel drive pickups, uh, another Petro truck getting it done. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce Cole's last name, but Texas two-step, I was very impressed watching that run. Really, the the strength of the Texas trucks all around. We, everybody was looking yeah. at you know Petros and Theobalds and Sullivans and the Longs, and, and here come these Texas guys, and they put a hurting on. Yeah, so I'm just looking here. Uh, Mendy Nelson, the little whip, getting it done, you know, right there coming in number three. You know, the one that I was been a little disappointed in seeing is Sean Blagrave with the uh, Wild Horse. You know, kind of would expect a little more out of him, but yeah, you know, you look but in at this, this in this company, really. Yeah, you're talking about the best of the best, and we're splitting hairs here. But I mean, you look at the bottom of the list right here. You know, Jeremy Nelson, the Midnight Gambler, Donnie Sullivan, and Big Ed Red. You know, um, you can basically go from number eight down. Ricky Long with the Riding Dirty. Ashley Corsi, Renee Fleabald, you know, Jamie Mattingly. It's, you know, there's so many great names that are coming to the bottom of the list. But That'd be an all-star event anywhere on the planet. Yeah, yeah. any other place you go, these guys, you know they're going to be in the mix. But once again, you're kind of isolating the best of the best, and it makes things interesting. For sure. Kind of would like to see a pull during the summer set up that way. I mean, you got your Bowling Green, but to see an actual, so to speak, celebrity pick or an invite-only pull like yeah. that. Ah, more pro stock, because what do they love down in Louisville? Pro stock. That's the thing. Ether. Uh, more <laughs> ether. Chris Kane, Aces Wild. Got to see the ride along on the GoPro. Just textbook run. You yeah. can't complain about it. You can't nitpick it. Stick it right in the sand. Yeah, he did a great job with it. I'm ha- super happy for him. He- he's a good fellow. Him and his dad both. Great family. You know, long-time pro stock stalwarts, and uh, so it was nice to see. Other than, but really, no, no surprises yet. Again, that this was uh, this was one you could kind of pick it. Another one in that list. Two of them that stand out to me: Don Masterson coming in the middle of the pack. Uh, again, I didn't get to see any of these runs just because, well, we were driving at the time. Right. Yeah, I don't remember specifically anything notable about Don. It just, I, I think the track by that point had maybe gone away on him a little bit. And uh, major disappointment. Rob Russell with the Workhorse Pro debuting the brand new tractor. And yeah, that really hurt my whole bracket, but we'll get into that <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> all right, move on to Saturday. I got to see all of Saturday's stuff. So, uh, 7,500 pound super stock pickup trucks. The first four pullers took the top, you know, the first four pullers are. Uh, took the top three spots so to speak if you get what i mean there uh carl atley coming out taking second oversized load brad Dieter taking or carl atley taking third brad Dieter taking second second and uh matt clemens and the alter ego taking first those were uh your first uh first three three four pullers there and just the track just went away and uh, like van hazley coming in later van had the run going but something let go on the drivetrain I'm kind of surprised. Well, eh, maybe not. I'm kind of surprised that he's the only one who actually broke stuff. The, the, they, the indoor, they, had, they had two go in yeah, that class. Yeah, the, the indoor tight, tight short tracks like this are notoriously hard on these these trucks because the guys want to get after that clutch very early in the run to get some ground speed moving, and, and it tends to break, put loads on stuff and breaks it. Uh, it's not like outside where they can kind of wait on it. And that brings up something is you got to see 
with these guys and how they were coming out of the hole. They were coming out of the hole hard. But the guys who did the best were the guys who who walked that truck out, you know, 50, 75 foot and then got into it. They got a little ground they could bite into. And uh, I think, honestly, the driving made that class is you had to walk her out a little bit. Yeah. You just couldn't come out burning it all hell. You had to actually wait for that chassis to go to work. It really, and it, Louisville's always been that way for the smaller tire stuff. Tractors, yeah, you can, well, more so than now, we're seeing a lot of tractor drivers walk it out just because they're making so much more power than they were 15 years ago. But it's always been kind of just a grip it and rip it type track for the tractors. But the truck guys know they, they've always had to, the small tire guys have to walk. And that was one thing I noticed, especially we'll get into the pro stock class here, the guys that were just buzzing the tires off, where you could audibly hear the tires chattering. Yeah. Even though the chassis wasn't changed, but you could hear them lugs just taking every ounce of clay with them. It was definitely a new uh, new sound to hear, so to speak. Yeah. Light super stock, not really surprised with that one. I know you were a little surprised with the turnout on that one. Well, a little bit. I mean, Terry Blackburn's a genius driver and, and a, an even better builder, but I didn't really expect him to win. I figured, you know, between Brian Korth and Marcus Waddleson and some of these other guys, they'd they'd have his number just for the experience of it. But hey, give it to give it to the master. You know, when we were talking our picks, I go when we got to this class, I go, what do you do? I go, I knew it was going to be a Cheesic tractor right off. You know, not trying to sell Marcus Waddleson short or any of the other guys in the class, but. uh just the knowledge base of Terry Blackburn there and getting these tractors built. I knew it had to be one of the two, but what do you do at that point? Do you take the veteran driver who's been around the sport for ages, who can basically hop on any tractor and make it work? Or do you take the guy who's got all the seat time on the light limited or light super stocks? And, uh, as it shows, it was, it came down to the pull off and, uh, Terry edged out Brian and, uh, Brian gave him a hell of a run for his money. But, uh, once again, it was an early hook in the pull-off versus the last hook in the pull-off, and I think that made a big difference. Yeah. But one thing I do have to say about the light super stock class before we move on is Terry was the first run in that pull-off. And just to show, I'm not trying to sell anybody short here, how much more power these Cheesic tractors are putting out as compared to even Brandon Phillips and Insanity or... Uh, Scott Holt grew in the Voodoo Deer, top running tractors in their own right. Terry went down the track and it didn't look like they made a change on the sled. It was just blew all the doors off. And we were kind of sitting here going, Did you change the sled? And actually, uh, Dave Bennett actually asked the sled operator, Did you change anything? He goes, I changed a lot. Hmm. So it just goes to show these guys have power to spare. Yeah. And plus, he had a, now, he, now he's coming back and he's already he's felt it and seen it once. Now. Now he's really got it. Oh, yeah. So definitely something cool to see. Just, you know, just what good experience uh, builders and drivers can get done. I uh, do have to mention on here, Monica Shaw, Beauty and the Beast. Got to meet her when we were doing our Pulling Radio Network interview. She was, on right, she was on right she before She was on us, right before yeah. me. So uh, great lady. Wish she could add a better run, but just could never get the chassis to hook. So tough luck there. Um Last class of pro stocks, and man, did this one kill me. Yeah, it kind of did. Oops. <laughs> and you know what? When I went back Saturday night and was looking at the picks, I realized I did have a guy in the mod class that I I didn't think he got through. So I didn't need Kevin Masterson to lose. 
Who'd you have get through? Uh, Long. He, he oh, finished yes. second. I don't know why I gapped on that, but I did all week. <laughs> but uh, Tim Shipley with the Mac Daddy Deer getting the first run of the night in the pro stock and the only guy to stuff it in the sand. And, uh, yeah, kind of hurt me, my pick. I know we're not getting into picks, but Kevin Masterson just late, late run in the class. If I would have been, known the pole order, definitely would have changed up my pick. But uh, River Rat just not getting it done. He was, I believe, the second-last run. Um, Philip Parrish suffering breakage. Had a great run going, was a second hook, and blew an yeah. intake boot off. And tough break there. Interesting note about Mac Daddy. Drew number one on Saturday and won the class. Last year, that tractor was in the Friday night session. Also drew number one and won the class. Something to be said there. Uh, maybe not overanalyzing stuff. So let's get on to the finals results. Why don't you start us off with these, Charles? In the 7,500-pound modified tractor, Steve Bunnage and the takes-a-lick-in hemi-powered machine out of Golden Gate, Illinois. Back-to-back finals winner, and uh, he gets around uh, Ricky Long and the Lucas Oil Mav-TV tractor. Uh, Bunnage was the number two hook to start the night. Long was number one, and uh, that's that's where they wound up at the front. Uh, Wayne Sullivan, the Tonka Kentuckian, finishing in the third spot, coming out of number four starting position. And... Um, Really kind of the PPL guys showing the way with a couple of NTPA tractors at the back there. Bob Joe Stock from just down the road here in Lapeer, Michigan. And uh, one of the sponsors, the Pulling Radio Network, Scott Tedder and the Mr. Twister. Absolutely. Great running tractors and uh, good to see Bob make the finals. Unfortunately, Terry didn't make it. but uh... No, he heard some engines on Wednesday, at least one of them. They, it definitely went south on him. He, he was down power by by two-thirds track well, he got four or five sitting in the van trailer, yeah for so. sure uh 9300 pound super farm this is a class that really pulled from all over the map of uh even the mississippi and west i guess you could say east of the missouri for uh lack of a better but uh even a new england tractor up in there too yeah great to see that you really don't think about much pulling going on up in vermont not gonna lie but uh Jeff Preble getting the win in the top priority out of Keystone, Indiana. Uh, Sean Boyd in the Screaming Norwegian, another beautiful tractor coming out of Sauton, Wisconsin. I'm sure you got where they started and all that, but in my intensive show prep, I forgot I only, to do that. I only looked at the top four, and there was a reason for that. But Oh, I'm sure you did. Dave Whalen coming in number four. Got to be happy with that, with my last excuse coming right out of here out of Tipton, Michigan. West Silo State Tractor, so uh, great job there for them guys. 6,200-pound two-wheel drive pickups. Mendy Nelson coming back and saying, don't sell us out yet and taking the win away from Randy and Joe Frazier. No, you got the two Petro trucks there at number two and three, but bracketed once again by the Texas trucks, so uh, some strong two-wheel drive action down there. Oh, absolutely. 8,200-pound super farm tractors. Uh, or super stock, diesel super stock, excuse me. Uh, Jody Ross of the triple bypass going uh, back to back. Yeah, he was he was for real this year. We yeah. brought it. Uh, Steve Burge with the lock and load coming in second from Lynn, Indiana. And Brandon Hunt living a dream out of Oak Grove, Kentucky. Coming in third. 8,000 pound super stock tractor. Another one not really surprised about Terry getting first, Josh getting second. But great to see the number three tractor back there right in the mix. 
You know what? This class actually went entirely the opposite of what I thought it was going to. I had picked Brent Payne to win this. I knew it was going to be cold. I figured it was going to really affect the alcohol supers the most, and a lot of guys were going to spit and cough, and for whatever reason, I just figured Brent Payne will find a way around it. And his was the tracker that wind up coughing at half track, and it, that did him in. <laughs> uh, yeah, but great to see Jordan Lustick coming out of 84 Pennsylvania, getting right in there. Uh, good to see Lauren Gettinger getting <laughs> getting running bear, at least in the top four, you know. So uh, especially considering the extensive rebuild they had to do on that one to make it there. Top four, all V8s. Yep, and I think that's how you're just going to see that class go is they're spinning them harder, and it's working out for them. All right, and Pro Stock Tractors, because they didn't go through enough ether already the previous three days. Let's add some more. Kevin Schmucker in the Gitter Dundee coming in first. Only full pull in the pull-off, or in the uh, class there. How did he, uh, what was his start order? He was number one, and the guy right behind him, Nathan Babler in the Haymaker, was second, and the fourth place tractor was your number three starter just that's that's louisville man early early hooks so that'll wrap up that we're gonna take a quick break here uh recap figure out what the heck we're doing i know we're out of beer we need more beer so with that we will get back to you make sure you pay attention to our sponsors this is sidetracked i'm pulling radio network Life Media Tech is your one-stop shop for multimedia, photography, videography, live event productions, and web systems and infrastructure design and maintenance. Life Media can handle it all. Drew and I trust Life Media to use years of experience to bring sidetrack to you each and every week. Isn't it a time that you did the same? Serving Metro Detroit and the Blue Water area, contact Life Media directly at 810-689-4151. That's Life Media, 810-689-4151. Have you been injured or think you've been injured? Contact the law offices of Dewey, Screwham, and Howe. Auto accident, medical malpractice, slip and fall, dog bite, asbestos, your boss is a jerk. Nothing worth reading in the paper? Some swamp gas bent the sun's rays and erased your mind? Sit down with our friendly professional staff for a free confidential consultation and cross-examination. Seriously, how can be downright mean? Let the law offices of Dewey, Screwham, and Howe decide who should pay and how much. It could even be you. No, it'll definitely be you. The law offices of Dewey, Screwham, and Howe. Call 888-555-1234 or online at www.sidetrackpulling.com. That's 888-555-1234 or www.sidetrackpulling.com. Dewey, Screwham, and Howe are not officially licensed attorneys and are obnoxious subsidiary of Sidetrack LLC. No guarantees implied, not available in any areas. Lots of restrictions will apply. Celebrity voice impersonated. Paid for by Ricky Bobby for Congress. All right, and we're back, sidetracked on Pulling Radio Network. Kind of feels good to say that, Charles, don't you think? Sorry, I was drinking beer. Oh, okay, sorry. Sorry about that. We're going to do a lot of that. (laughs) That sounds good. So, uh, first things first, I don't know what commercial we had there. Was it the one I did? No, it was uh, Dewey Scroom and Howe. Uh, Very fine legal firm. Yes, yes. They do all our legal work. I believe they're working on stuff for us right now. They are. It's really expensive, but we'll go there later. Uh, Well, our next commercial, you'll hear about it in studio right now. We have the luxurious Portastool. I guess we got to describe this beautiful plastic white porcelain seat. 
Uh, mounted on some green uh, two by two box tubing. We'll get pictures on the Facebook page. Yep, we'll get them up. Uh, Comes with a two spot cup holder, so his and hers cup holders. You know, I don't. I guess I should leave that one be where it is. But uh, yeah, I kind of thought he was going to put the uh, thrust handles, but he decided not to. You know, those are an add on option. Ah, okay, accessorizing. Yes, this is the bare bones model. Comes equipped with the deluxe seat. And the two-spot cup holders, four-spot, are available for an increased price. It does come with the half-inch adjustment, so as you see right here. So uh, definitely a great product here. I don't know how much we're going to use it. I hope we don't have to use it very often, but when that moment arises, In a pinch, it is NASOA (laughs) spec-sized, so it can double as your drawbar as well. Yes, yes. So uh, let's get on. What we did last week is we got crazy. We brought in some truck guy from Lord knows where, and we decided we were going to do a brackets. So on the line right now, we have Mr. Nathan Drob. How you doing tonight, Nathan? How's it going, guys? Beer. Can you hear me all right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got a beer with uh-huh. you? I don't, but I am in the underground bunker off location. So. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> just go, go through the numbers and making sure Charles was honest. With, is is with, it possible with, with, to what, be on this show without a beer? Ooh, I think we might have a new uh, rule for Collins. They must have beer. At least if you're going to be a guest host, I think you'd have to, but. Mixed drink? Well, did you, a frozen did you daiquiri? Tell, <laughs> did you guys have a chance to tell the listeners why I'm not in studio today? Yeah, we kicked you out. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, we did not. The, all right, the real reason I'm not there today is uh, Nick called me, and uh, they're making some adjustments to the studio. With all three of us in there, there just wasn't enough oxygen. So he's actually <laughs> got a machine that he's porting oxygen into the studio at life media there so i can come back and join you guys well that explains the helium feeling i'm getting right now i was gonna say i I thought we had nitrous going on in here (laughs) no we do not use artificial enhancers (laughs) said beer (laughs) (laughs) so all right let's get down to our picks you got yours up in front of you nathan so you can uh look all fancy like yes i do all right, first class we started with the 8,200-pound super stock tractors. Oh, boy, did I take a hell of a hit in this one. Uh, kind of set the tone for my weekend. I had Kent Payne super rooster. That hurt. Who did you have there, Rob? Uh, I had Steve Burge, which actually was a good pick, locked and loaded, made it to it was one of my finalists, so I was pretty happy starting off the contest charles what did you have i put the red horse through and he he did so i was the only one who took a beating on that one yeah my pick coming in eighth place thanks ken so so uh definitely uh you were the only one who uh or you and charles did good on that one i kind of set the tone for my week uh those were throwaway at least in my case was a throwaway because Actually, that's didn't we all pick Schlebach in the final, and he didn't make it? Uh, yes, we did. Yeah. Yes, we did. Oh, let's see. Yeah, yeah. That was that was my uh, closest to the pin Oops. too. Oops. Oops. <laughs> Seventy-two hundred pound mod. We all got on the board in a big name right there. Uh, Wayne Sullivan with Tonka Kentucky and across the board, and uh, yeah took first and made us all look good so 
hey, actually we all got to win. I don't know about you guys. I kind of felt like, you know, hey, we were actually going to pick quite a few of these, and uh, we, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so the first pro stock class, I went out on a limb, went Rob Russell, a workhorse. Yeah, that one hurt me. Rob did not run on Wednesday night, which kind of changed things up and actually could have made it very interesting for Saturday. Rob, who did you have? I think you and Charles were matched in that one. No, no, no. I had I had Carlton Cope, which was my biggest disappointment of the weekend. Like you said, third class in, he was my shoe, and he was the one I had the most confidence in, and he couldn't even keep it between the lines. So I was going to say, how do you feel about uh, uh, lime powder now? I, I would have never guessed it. Would have never guessed it. I mean, he's. He's pulled so many times, so many arenas, and I just I would have never guessed I'd have had a, a DQ, and I probably one of the only DQs of the whole weekend, and I had to pick it in the first round for the, <laughs> uh, the class that you get the most points with. So we'll leave it at that. So you're trying to say you want bonus points for picking the DQ? Yeah. Maybe next year be in the rules. I guess we should tell people first place got a case of beer. Second place, uh, Andy Schroeder of uh, Pedal Little Metal threw in a hat for uh, – Second place, uh, one of uh, his suppliers. So we'll get to who gets what here in a little bit. Uh, Super Farm. I had Russ Freeze with the deer tracks. As did I. Or wait, we never got to Charles with his pro stock pick there. Sorry, Charles. No, I took the Linder Brothers, and he was 11th. He didn't didn't do any good for me. (laughs) (laughs) So let's see. So that covers us for Wednesday. Thursday, we had rolling right in. Super Farm Tractors, Russ Freeze is my pick with the deer tracks. Came in 11th place. God, this, I did horrible. I guess I should have done the processes and research. <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I still got it wrong, so don't feel so bad. <laughs> yeah, I didn't put anybody through either. I had Jed Pettis, and he was seventh, so. Who did you have in that one, uh, Nathan? Russ Freeze. You did. That's right. We match that one. So, two-wheel drive pickups, I, if I remember right, let me pull up my sheets here. I had Joe's, Joey Frazier in running block, got one through there. Uh, Joey taking a third. I believe you had Frazier also, did you not, Nathan? No, this was the one where we talked, and I initially was going to pick them. Um, there was uh, two in the class here, and I ended up going with Randy just with the experience then. Still Petro truck, but I, I thought he would have the later hook, and I think he did, and it paid off. Yeah, I'm reading here. Somebody really needs to work on their editing work on this because we got Canthy's complaint came in second. And uh, who did you have, Charles? I took Joey Frazier as well, but he was not my finals pick, so it, you know it didn't matter. Didn't it, it earned me some points, but didn't help me for uh, Saturday night. Hey, every point counts. That Joey was my pick to go through. In the final one on that one. So uh, definitely uh, happy to see him get through there. Let's roll on to uh, 8,000-pound open super stock. I had Terry Blackburn with the Extremely Armed and Dangerous. And uh, that one did me quite well The second place. Josh getting around. How, that's one. How do you pick that, you know? Well, I think we all picked Terry, so really in terms of points, we all got equal, so it was a wash. Yeah, unfortunately with this one, I 
picked Terry to win the session and Josh to win it overall. So kind of maybe that was a little uh, little uh, ADD kicking in there. But uh, AD, oh look, a squirrel. Ended up picking him in reverse. So yeah, you'll have that on the big jobs. So we'll roll right into Friday night. 9,300-pound super farm. I know, Charles, you picked the local boy in this one. Yeah, I took Dave Whalen. He was second, so that was that worked out well. And uh, I picked uh, Josh Miley on the high maintenance, which uh, plays six, so just got him out of contention there. But who did you have in that yeah. one, Nathan? Uh, another, another good pick for myself, I must admit. Screaming Norwegian in the uh, international, so. Sean Boyd, good pick there. That got you fourth in that one. So uh, this is where the points really, every place really started to matter. Things were stacking up. Uh, 6,200 super modified trucks. Who did you have on uh, that one there, Drop? Uh, that one I had uh, Jesse Petro in the Buckeye Hauler. Good pick. Second place there. I had Lisa Tatum in the full throttle. With an honorable mention to Ashley Corzine. And uh, Lisa did be well. Fourth place there. Yeah, you guys murdered me on this class. I went with uh, Jamie Mattingly, and he was way down in 12th. Yeah, every once in a while we get one past Mr. Research here. So, 10,200-pound pro stock tractors on Friday night. I'll lead off with this one. I had Mr. Don Masterson in the Tinker Toy. Oh, beer. And Don didn't do me any good. Ninth place. Not a good weekend for the Mastersons. And I believe uh, Kevin, who I uh, had, uh, who pulled in the first session, was my pick for, uh, or my actual pick for the finals. And uh, since Joel Killingen didn't show up, I guess I uh, was out on that one. Who did you have for uh, Pro Stock on Friday, Drop? Uh, I went with my heart. And maybe not the right thing to do, but uh, I picked Brad Moss and the T.S. Young Buck out of Kentucky and didn't even make the show. Really, really disappointed. I thought that was easy money. Kind of a tough way to go, Charles. Did we get yours in that one? No, I, I had Danny Schmucker in the Rampage, and um, he finished seventh. So, and actually, good points day, good points class for me. But really, I kind of surprised with. I, I figured you guys would kind of shellack me on that one this one really hurt me too because i uh, this is when rob russell ran so i had a chance to kind of double up on some points here and uh actually if this class if rob would have done well i would have been actually probably in the lead with the points but rob russell with the workhorse just not getting it done yeah, and even if he would have counted him he still finished at the back so it didn't matter yeah yep so uh definitely hurt he hurt me there so what we're left with is Saturday afternoon. This one we definitely had some fun with. Uh, you and uh, Charles getting some live feed for me uh, there, Nathan. And I know right off the bat we did a lot better than Charles. Uh, both of us taking Carl Atley and the Lethal Weapon. And uh, that was, who, who did you pick in that one, Charles? The guy who broke. Oh, oh. Wh which one was that? Van Hazley. <laughs> Too much power. Your story. Yeah, no, it looked like uh, I wasn't there, but Van looked like he had the new body on. So it looks like they uh, 
repaired that truck and fixed the hood and re-airbrushed it and looking good for the 2016 season. Yeah, the hood looked considerably flatter than the last time I've seen it. That didn't have that and, peak in the center. Yeah, and it looks, I mean, we were only off uh, Brad Dieter by a half a foot. So that one, that one could have went either way. And that's one we were talking about earlier is in that class, in the first four hooks, the top three would have decided. So it kind of just... Pull order mattered. Yeah, pull order mattered. Especially with them there. being the first class of the session, too. Yeah. So, actually, I was watching. I had my Facebook memories come up. Uh, last year the, uh, at the show was uh, Carl Atley's uh, very, very, very not-so-pretty run with the Ohio Cat uh, lethal weapon where he broke a tie rod and... Forced some people to need a change of pants. Yeah, decided I'd want to move the jersey barrier over about six inches. So, uh, 6,400-pound light super stock. I did quite well on this one. This one made me happy. I had uh, Brian Korth in the Armed and Dangerous Success of Force. And I believe you and Charles were matched their drive on that one. Yeah, I believe we were. We actually both picked the winner in that one. So, uh, No, you didn't. No, we both had Weddleson, and he was fifth. Oh, that's right. I do have that. Looking at my notes. Wishful thinking there. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I regained a lot of ground with that one. I, I don't yeah, know who I kept cheering more. I kept praying another tractor would get in the pull-off at that point. <laughs> so, getting into pro stock action for Saturday afternoon. Charles, who was your pick there? Uh, I took the Mac Daddy, and, and so did Drob, so that was our second winner for the week. Yeah, that one hurt me. I was in the head with winners at that point. I took Philip Parrish with El Nino, and uh, a little rubber boot kind of uh, snuffed my chances with that one. That would have put three in the finals at that point for me. And what place did he take? Well, um, uh, Last. Yeah, that, that one. <laughs> and I did notice, too, that originally uh, Julie Ray was on – the sheet for the driver and they actually Tim actually dro- drove that tractor in that class. So I don't know what, what happened there or the scratch or just a, a change up. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't hear the story. Yeah. I don't know there. So, uh, final results. We'll start off with modified tractors. I had Mr. Bill Leister who didn't even make the mix there. So, uh, I was instantly out there. Charles, who did you have there? Uh, I had Ricky Long, and for whatever reason, I didn't think he made it through. And I think part of that was we were recording. The time the class was running, we were actually here in the studio last week recording the show, and it just it escaped my radar. So all week I'm thinking, I don't have anybody in this. And then Saturday night, it, the class is already over. I'm looking at results. I'm going, wait a minute. My guy was second. <laughs> I didn't even know. Thanks. Thanks, Charles. Who did you have in that one, Rob? Well, I, I picked uh, on that one, I picked Adam Bauer, which – I believe someone said didn't have all the motors on the tractor. So no, he ran again, he ran three with fourteens. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Did. So between that and Carlton Cope going out of bounds, that pretty much set my whole weekend. Yeah. So let's go on to the next class here. Get back on the right page. Ninety three hundred pound super farm tractors. I had James Slam in the Fast and Furious. That was a fifth place finish for him. And uh, who did you have in that one, Nathan? I had uh, Screaming Norwegian. Came in second, so that was a, a pretty good pick for me. 
Yeah, yeah. Charles? I had nobody. Oh, that's right. Sucks to be you. <laughs> All right. Two-wheel drive pickup action. I know I had Joey Frazier in the final there. And, uh, or did I? Get back to the right page here. Yes, Joey Frazier in that one. Got me a third-place finish there. Robbed, I believe you had uh, Joey in that one too, correct? Jesse again. Or Jesse Buckeye again. Came and in seventh. Seventh, so that one hurts you. Yeah, and I took Jesse also. So, yeah, nobody taking Mendy Nelson there. And, man, like we said, the Texas boys really give him uh, giving a stomping at the last and minute girls. there. And girls, yes. All right, 8,200-pound super stock tractors. Throw away because none of us had them. None of us got in there. That is horse crap. 8,000-pound super stock alcohol tractors. Yeah, I had Terry in that one. So uh, first place finish for me on that one. I'm happy there. Yeah, I had Josh, so second place for me. Not too bad. And I took Brent Payne, who was my lock-in closest to the pin, and he finished sixth. Oops. That was last place? Last of those, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. See, Drop, I'm not the only one who can't quite pick him right all the time. (laughs) 10,200-pound pro stock tractors. Yeah, I think I, uh, let's see. Yeah, Joel Kinjan never did show up, and Masterson was out, so I was out on that one. Who did you guys have? No one. Yeah, I put Lance Little in. He was sixth. So points, but yeah. So that wraps up that. I believe how the points shook out our scorekeeper. I know, uh, Nathan, you said you were checking up on this. Did we approve the final numbers that were given? Yes, we did. I, I, I Going through the numbers, I had an error. Charles was right. I had... Uh, Schlebach, not the pick that I believe, which was locked and loaded Steve Berg, so Charles is dead on on the points. Are we sure? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't believe yeah. this. I, I think it's definitely under protest until further notice. But. <laughs> okay. well, I guess in all honesty, yeah, I did do them at like 11.30 at night in bed while drinking beer, so. <laughs> ah. So as it rolled out, Charles, why don't you give the final points breakdown? Well, funny thing, we, we, we started this thing so close <laughs> to the event, we, we weren't even sure headed into Saturday night how we were going to score the finals. So I wound up having to do this four different ways. And uh, the way we handled do the Do the initial, one that makes me look the best, at the least. The one that makes you look the best? That's none of them. Uh, <laughs> we did it. We did. I figured it as 15 points in the final per class and then dropped one each position, so... I finished 176, Drob 165, and Drew at 152. We doubled points, so uh, uh, 30 uh, point uh, for first place, and then dropped two points each each position after that. Uh, left me at 236, Drob 210, and, and Drew at 197. A 30 drop one was uh, 219, 202, and 191. And then we the fourth way I calculated it was based on total number of possible entries in the class. So if there was uh, if there was eight in the class, eight would be first place. If there was 12 in the class, 12 would be first place, and so on. Um, I finished 184, dropped 168, and then drew 155. Yeah, I guess so the, bottom, 
the bottom line, Charles, any way you calculate it, you won. That's what you're trying to say here. Something wire to wire. <laughs> you notice it's how he calculated how I calculate how I calculate it. You know what? I think we got to do some work on the wire here. to wire. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so first place, Charles, you get the case of beer. And I donate it to the rest of the people in the show. Drink up, gentlemen. Oh, sorry, Drob. <laughs> I'll take a rain check. Well, we do have a lovely hat for you for second place. Once again, our uh, awards trophy, so to speak, uh, being brought to you by Andy Schroeder of Pedal to Metal. Uh, I do think next year we have to get an actual trophy made up for this stuff. Something, and we're going to formalize rules a little bit better, and we're going to get it out there sooner so you all can play along too. Yeah, absolutely. This was a blast and brought something different to it. I don't know. Oh, I had how much so fun much did- fun with this all week, just as paying attention to everything that was going on. I really, really liked it. I'd probably like it even more if we got some money into it. <laughs> well, we can't. Yeah, I, I was putting some feelers out there. I talked to a couple super farm guys and a couple local guys, and everybody seemed to be real interested in doing something like this. Five bucks, everybody put in it, kind of like a Super Bowl square. And I think it'll be yeah. a good time next year. I, I like listeners that. Involved. For sure, I like that. Absolutely. So stay tuned next year, probably, what, uh, about a month before the poll, we'll start brackets and uh, – yeah, and I did happen to notice, um, uh, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Nate, uh, Miles Krieger on his blog did something very similar to this, and no one got more than four classes right in terms of pick the winners, and out of 1,009 people who entered, only, I think it was seven or eight of them did that, so we weren't we weren't too far off. Who was Not one of them set. people you told me that? Uh, Donnie Sullivan himself was one of the ones who was, who was in that mix. That That's pretty cool info right there alone. Hello, Drab, are you there? Looking forward to that next year for sure. So, all right, Drab, we're going to let you go, and uh, we're going to continue on with the show. We'll see you in the next coming weeks, sir. All right, thanks for having me again, guys. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. Well, that was highly disappointing and depressing for me. Oops. One quick thing I did want to get into, I mentioned it earlier, is, is I, it's, it was actually a conversation, uh, a topic that, that I don't think it started that way, but it swerved into that on uh, Fonda Bar's um, message board uh, about starting position and, and how that really plays out at Louisville. And I only had numbers for this year and last year. I couldn't find them for, for older than that, or I would have I would have run some numbers on it, but uh, it's always seemed to me that starting early in the, the sh- in, a, in a class is far preferable to starting at the at the back end. So I, I took this year and last year, and not counting final finals night, just the the uh, twelve classes that run in standard sessions. Um, the the winner had an average start this year of six point four one. Last year was six point eight three. What's really interesting is the small tire class, two wheel drive trucks this year. Uh, the winner was the number one starter in two of the three classes. Uh, the the exception to that was Cole Zysik on uh, Friday night starting in number nine spot. And last year, oddly, it wasn't number one. The hot spot was to be the number seven start, two out of three, and it was Joey Frazier both times. Um, but beyond that, um, of, of the possible people that could have transferred into a, a Saturday night show, uh, based on starting position, it was an average of a 7.0, which is actually fairly close to the mi- the middle uh, as far as that went. But I went back and looked at each individual spot, and really, you know, this year 
the number one position transferred to Saturday night 14.6% of the time. The rest of it was fairly spread out, uh, 6% or less across all starting positions. And a year ago, the hot spots were really uh, number one, number two, and oddly number nine by a quite a lot. Um, so that was kind of kind of a weird anomaly. Here's another weird anomaly. Starting late is always bad. 15th and 16th, horrible places to start. But you know another black hole on the starting line? The number three spot is terrible. Yeah, I think that was a variance in uh, the 7,500-pound four-wheel drive diesel trucks. That's where it really stood out to me is uh, where the one, one, two, three, four, you know, and uh, it's some early runs really stand out. Yeah. Man, they got some interesting stuff going on here. Sled modifications while going down the track. Oh, man. Yeah. That'd be something to get into sometime. Some keyboard pullers who uh, live in a fantasy land. Yeah, you have that on the big jobs. So, I think we're done with Louisville. Yeah, we've beat that subject to death. Not yet. We'll do it again next week. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, we take a dead horse and we give it three more licks just to make sure it's done. But uh, one topic I thought of, and I don't know what else you have you want to get into, Charles. Uh, no, we just had that one. Do we need to take a break, though? Yes. Why don't we take a break here? Uh, this is, I, oh, well, we're doing it, getting ready to take a break here. We haven't told them any about where to find us. Go on no. to Facebook. Go search uh, Sidetracked with Armstead and Posh, uh, P-O-S-C-H, and Armstead, you hopefully can figure that out. Or go on to our website, Sidetracked with Arm, or, uh, Sidetrackpulling.com. You can email us there at AP at Sidetrackpulling. Let us know what you think of the show, what topics you'd like to hear about, uh, anything we said that could be absolutely wrong or anything you completely agree with, and anything in between. So make sure you hit us up on there. Like, share, follow the page. You'll find all our previous episodes if you want to tune into them. I know they are going to be thrown up on SoundCloud here uh, this Saturday. So if you want to get a listen to them. But we're going to take a break here. Listen to our sponsors. This is Sidetrack on Pulling Radio Network. Have you ever been waiting in the staging lanes to pull and had that rumbling in your stomach? Find you parked too far from the port of johns in the pits. Going down the road and can't quite make it? Well, thanks to Pedal to Metal, it's no longer an issue. Our newest design for pullers from Pedal to the Metal, the new Portastool slash pulling hitch combo, will be there for you. Made a two-inch solid stock, easily the strongest, most sturdy Portastool on the market. Able to handle them huge behinds. Fully adjustable with over 18 inches of adjustment in half-inch increments just by removing two pins. Makes hitch height changes quick and easy, allowing you to change height for class or for the most comfort for personal use. Seat and hitches are available in whatever color you desire, so you can customize to your vehicle. Just another way, Pedal of the Metal is making pulling life easier. All right, and we're back with Sidetracked with Armstead and Poosh. Getting to Ooh. our... Poosh, Poosh, yeah. Poosh, Poosh, whatever. You that guy. Yeah, <laughs> you'll live with it, and you'll like it. But uh, get to our roundtable discussion, so to speak. And you know what? My trip down to Louisville, we talked about it earlier, brought something about to me, and I've kind of developed this feeling about a couple other polls, is are the big polls everything they're cracked up to be, or is there more enjoyment found going to the little local county fair polls 
or a Gordyville or something like that where it's a little more intimate of a setting. And to be honest with you, Bowling Green really has not done anything for me. And about the past six, seven years, I've been going down there since the early 2000s. And it just, it's lost its lackluster to me. You know, it's just not quite living up to what I felt like earlier on. And I started thinking about what could be causing that. Louisville really brought this out. You know, I, I enjoyed the poll, but it really didn't feel that, feel, you know, it was, I was there watching. I didn't feel like it was, you know, it was much more beyond just a spectator. And I, the only thing I can think of that would explain any of this is in the past five, six years, I've become much more involved in the sport of truck and tractor pulling, going just from being a once or twice a month antique puller to joining a pull group where any given week I could be out one, two, three, four, five times. If I mean, heck, we've had days, six poles in eight days, five poles in five mm -hmm. days. And we will again? And we will again. Actually, yeah. it'll be more this year. We'll have a run of six poles six days this year. And... uh I, honestly, the only reason I could equate that to is the fact that, uh, yeah, it's I've gotten more involved, and you get more intimate with the pullers. You get to know them on a personal basis. You know, the guys you see week in, week out, day after day. You get to know their family, their wives, know what's going on with the truck, know what's going on with the family. You know, being an announcer, we're vis we're there every day. We're actually doing something in a. And for me, I've always had to be a guy who's got to do something. You know, whether it's watching a movie, i got to be scanning a magazine or playing Legos or whatever it could be. You know, from a young age on, I've always been that way. And that's the only thing I can equate to on why these big pulls just leave a lot to be desired for me is you go from that being involved heavily, you know, day in, day out, to, yeah, you're just a spectator sitting there. And... Yeah, there's more. There's something else I want to get, but I want to hear what your opinion is on it, Charles. Before I get into my second part on what I think is causing that feeling, I, I do agree with you. I think I got to that kind of a place in my own head with with Louisville. It's kind of why I stopped going so much. Uh, I used to go every year, and I kind of backed away from it. And I, I, as an announcer, I want the huge room. I want to do the Bowling Greens. I want to do the the Louisvilles. I want to do the Gordyvilles. I want to do that big stage. But taking that hat off and just looking at it strictly from a, from a fan's perspective, I probably do agree with you. You know, stepping away from our responsibilities at polls in this area, just going and watching, kind of like the smaller shows a little bit. Um, big polls, they, they always carry with them. You've got that opportunity to see those legends and those superstars, and it, there's a sense of occasion that surrounds a huge poll. Um, you get the sense of anticipation. It's something you look forward to all week long. But then once you're there... A lot of times it can be downright overwhelming. If you feel like uh, you're missing out on something, there's so much going on, you can't possibly take it all in. Uh, you feel like you're out, you know, there, there's something going on that you're not a part of. Um, it, it often lacks any intimacy. You are far removed from the, the activity itself. Uh, it's expensive. Um, everything will cost more. Concessions, tickets, they charge you to get in the pit area. It's just, it's expensive to go. And, and it carries expectations with it that most of the time don't get met. You know, what really brought this feeling around for me is actually the first year of the light super stock. You know, a class coming back into NTPA polling. And I know my dad was geeked to watch it and that, and I was like, eh, I, I really don't care. Then we actually sat down and watched them. They're such a light switch class. They're either on or off, and I'm kind of like, 
you know, I don't know if I was getting burnt out by Bowling Green or what, you know. And let's face it, you and I have something else going on Bowling Green weekend. You know, we announce our local fair here. Well, the major local fairs here, kind of a major event considering the pool clubs, whether it be in Canada or in uh, Eastern Michigan, are shut down for that weekend. Yeah. You know, nothing goes on other than Bowling Green and Armada. And even before I got it. Armada just don't care. <laughs> yep. And for me, you know, even before I was announcing last year's my first year announcing it and really grateful for the opportunity to do it again this year. Uh, I felt, you know, I'd go down to Bowling Green because, heck, it's another poll. Why not go enjoy another day of polling? But it was, you know, we have Saturday grandstand seat tickets, south side, so yeah, the boring side, but right at the 300-foot mark. You know, great seats. We're up just high enough. We're not getting eating smoke. But, you know, people walking in front of us aren't interfering with us. And we got them seats. But I'd rather come back to the Armada. Where it's yeah. the local warriors that you know them day in day out, you cheer for them, you know. Yeah, it's the same trashers year after year. A lot of times, you know, wall acts are going to bring out, you know, thirty five, six fifty six, six sixty sixes, and six eighty six internationals to fill the nine thousand farm right. farm class. But it just it's a more intimate setting, and I mean it's still a big pull. Oh, it's huge. I mean, huge pull. Just shy of sixteen thousand people last year there. So don't get me wrong of what I'm saying is that it's a small pull. No, it's still a very large pull, but you can get back in the pit area. You know the people. Whereas, honestly, you go back in the pits in Bowling Green, it's very intimidating because yeah. of the madhouse going back there to be able to go up as Joe Schmo and go talk to the people. You know, the past couple of years, I've gotten the opportunity to be back in the pits, whether it started from the Shepherds, uh, Coglins, um, Potter family. And don't get us wrong. I know the pullers are extremely approachable there. They, they always have been and always will be. But it's It's a madhouse. It's a madhouse mad yeah. back there. You're scrambling to get stuff done for the next session or rebuild this motor because I blew it. There's so much pressure involved. Yeah. And, you know, the Deck family this year allowed me the opportunity to work the pits with them. And that, that brought some passion back for me to go back to Bowling Green. But in the end of the day, I still left at nine o'clock on the Friday night session and drove back to Michigan so I could go to a local poll. Yeah. And I think part of the reason why it's bugging me so much or I'm not into it so much is let's face it, the region two in Michigan, especially the eastern side of Michigan, is dead. If you're looking at your Michigan map, you can basically draw a half moon about halfway up your palm, you know, about halfway over. That's where Region 2 is. Wolverine pullers are basically at. For Michigan, there's nothing it's, on this side. It's a southwest Michigan deal. Yeah, and I think that's taken a lot away from the Grand National stuff for me is the names that are out there, Borsons, you know, the Dave Whalens, you know. We don't see them anymore. No. You know, Joe Stocks are over here, but the only time we get to see Joe Stocks on the eastern side of Michigan is Monroe. Yeah, that's it, as a puller. You know. they, do, they do turn up at events. Now and again, I'll see them. Uh, wandering around, but uh, spectating. usually spectating. Usually, I don't get to talk to him because by the time I see him, I'm on the announcer stand and, and working. So, you know, funny one there. You know, we talk about you know little polls. We do a poll just down the road from Lapeer where they're based, and I uh, met him more. And what was it? Two years ago, we did a trivia th question, and yeah, lo and behold, Terry Joe stocks out in the 
out in the crowd, and we did a trivia question about him and his pulling team. Yeah. So, you know, I, I I think that's part of what's gone away from it is, you know, for us, at least locally, is the lack of a bigger scale. I mean, what we see the biggest of is Super Farm. That is our mm-hmm. biggest class that we see, whether I'm over in Ontario or here. Yeah, I I agree with that. You know, the, the smaller smaller time events, they're they're affordable. Um, generally speaking, they they tend to have that more intimate setting where you feel like you're a part of the action and, and you're involved in it, even just as a spectator. You're you were there. And um, the other piece of it too is there's a there's a healthy dose of unpredictability about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't know who's going to show up on a night no. day in day out basis. You know. Lee Butts, right from here in Fairgrove, Michigan, has gone to the Grand National Circuit. The only time we saw him this year at a TTPA poll was here just 10 minutes down the road in Goodles, Michigan. But there's always that thread. He knows the schedule. There's always that, you know, you don't you roll in there, you don't know whose trailer's coming in. You look at that 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 night alone, tractor night there, I believe that was Tuesday. Yeah. You had Lee Butts show up. And he had Steve Francis with the deer processor, another huge bullet, yeah. just show up and we hadn't seen him all year and never saw him again after that. No, but there's always that threat that, you know, you could roll in there at, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon and start watching the haulers come in. It's like, okay, who's who's going to roll through the gates? Who's coming? Yeah, we sit there as announcers going, all right, who do we have to have a yeah. story ready for? And I, I think that's a big part of it. But another part is honestly... The mass media productions that have gone into NTPA and PPL polling now. The big screens at the poll. The camera crews. I'm sorry, Bowling Green. Five announcers? Really? It's hard to, it is hard to listen to. They, it's almost like they're talking over each other. Three was probably pushing it. Yeah, I mean, you got one guy doing distance on the North Track. You got one guy doing distance on South Track. You got a guy roaming, doing interviews. And then you have uh, Butch and... Uh, Oh, down track side. Why am I drawing a blank? I don't know. I haven't been there in 2003 was the last time I was at BG. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, you you know, you got the guys down track side doing color commentary, joking around, playing the crowd. It, it's very difficult, you know. It used to be you'd have Harold up, or Harold, that's why I was thinking of tra- track side. You know, you'd have Harold up in the booth back before uh, drawing a blank again, passed away. Keith Bradley. Keith Bradley passed away. You know, you had Keith... And you had Butch, and you had Harold. And that was it. That was it. Or, excuse me, even before Harold, you had Doc Riley. It, yeah, Doc was in there, yeah. Doc was one. He would, he'd be up in the booth, but he'd also be out there doing the floating interviews and was still able to get the job done because they were actually radioing down and telling the guys trackside, hey, this is the distance. And one thing that's gone away from me there with it being such a high production now, you know, the big screens on each end of the track, give me a break. We don't need that. Yeah, it's cool to watch the instant replays, but DVR it at home. I'm sorry. It just it takes away from everybody's. We're living in a world where I'll admit it. I get into it myself. You'd rather videotape a pass that way. You got the cool accident video, you know. So you're not watching the poll visually anymore. You're, you're depending on technology, whether you're recording or now going off a big screen. People are looking at the big screen. They're ignoring what's going on down on the track. Yeah, I I think this actually is going to this. You brought up a thought now that to to my mind that's important. As a sport, we have said this is where we want to go. We want to have this spit, shine, polished, corporate, glamorous type of show. NASCAR show. NASCAR show is where we want to go. But what do the diehards all say? 
I want the '80s back. I want where the pocket T-shirts, the half-shell helmets. Yeah, they want the simpler time back when the racing was real and the show didn't matter. And now it's all the show and there is no racing. And I don't want pulling to fall into that trap. You know, I mean, I've joked around it before. Where's the next step? Restrictor plates. You know, we're getting a cookie cutter chassis. We're getting to chassis that look like the European chassis, just covered with stickers. It's no longer about the murals on the side with just the little stickers on the frame saying, I got Joe Schmo's Tire Shop sponsoring me. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's become these big corporate sponsorship. Joe, uh, Terry Joe Stock putting the hell on a sticker right on the fender. You know, it used, it's and good for good for him. If great, he's getting some backing that, that keeps that them backing. out there, that's cool. But. We've needed that. The cost of pulling's gone up. I understand that. But at the same time, where does it translate over, you know? You look at Danny Dean or Max Simpson or them from back in the area. Yes, it was cheaper to build pulling tractors, so to speak. I bet dollar for dollar, in constant dollars, I bet they were still spending as much as anybody still, today. Yeah. But it was still about the pulling, about the sport. And the overproduction, I think, is really just killing. It's bringing a new face of fans in, but us diehards are being left in the dust wanting more. And it's very disappointing for me, you know. I, I, I'll be first to admit I'm not a big PPL fan because they were the first ones you really saw. The TV spots, the overly sponsored up tractors, you know. I mean, used to be it was the Kentuckian modified tractor, not Tonka Kentuckian. Yeah. You know, it's now we got to put the sponsor in before we talk about the track. You know, it's. It's like Goodwrench number three, or you know, it's yeah. I, I probably it probably needs to happen, and that's okay. That's at the biggest leagues. Not okay. And the I don't levels, like change, right? <laughs> well, at the biggest leagues and the highest levels, that's fine. But again, is that where where the hardcore is? Is that is that where it should be? And and I would say probably not. So you're thinking we are going to see a regression more to a local level? Like, I think it's already happened, quite honestly. The grassroots has exploded, and that's why we've seen, we've talked about it in past shows, that so many differentiated classes and different class structures where it's not just it's not just pro stock, super stock, two-wheel drive, four-wheel drive, that's it, that's what we offer. You're seeing all this fragmentation and regionalization because the, the elites, the, the, the highest levels, you got to have that Tonka on your fender to be there or, or deep independently deep pockets. Or you're going to be back on on the local regional with a, a more tailored to your geography class, and that's okay. Yeah, I mean we're going to see growth as far as what's going on, but you know it makes you really wonder. You know, you get you went from let's face it, 15 years ago, the points championship for NTPA was not in Urbana. It was not a big production like it is now. No, it was literally in some guy's corner soybean field, depending on the year, mm-hmm. in Ontario, in a crick bottom, you know, and they ran, you were on a hillside. There was no grandstands. Right. There was one or two food vendors. There was a beer tent. That was it. Yeah. And that actually, that brings me to the next piece for me was, okay, so identify that I like the smaller grassroots style show. How do you make that? What's what's the atmosphere that goes into it? And a couple of things that really touched on for me was price is number one. You know, if I'm going as a spectator, it can't be 50 bucks to get in there and have a hot dog and a beer. You know, you need to be able to do it for 20 bucks or less per person. Um, and that's that's all in food, everything. Number two, keep the pits free. Let people yes. in there, let them see whatever you want to keep them out of the hot pit and have the armband. That's different. But the general pits needs to be free. Next thing 
It needs to be that intimate setting. What's an intimate setting? The crowd's as close to the track as they can be per insurance regulations. But then beyond that, I want natural terrain or grandstands that are darn near vertical so that the guy in the crappiest house in the seat in the house is still right on top of the track and he's looking right down on, on the action. And then the last bit of it is um, unobstructed sight lines. Roof supports, light poles, banners, and my number one all-time pet peeve at a tractor pull. If you're at a circle track race, I know why the catch fence is there. But chain link in front of a pulling track is just like fingernails on a chalkboard to me. I hate that. It's the biggest detractor from going to one of these events and being able to see it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we got venues out there that are the old covered grandstands. You know, you're talking about the obstructive view of posts. You know what? I'll go to the Iona, Ionia Free Fair over by Grand Rapids. Every day of the week to go watch an NTPA poll in their covered grandstands because it is the old style covered grandstand. You know, it, there's something of the ambiance there. Yeah. You know, for us, it's like going to Joe Lewis Arena. You're going to have them couple obstructive view post seats that you just got to deal with. I like the covered with. grandstand, but I hate anything that's in, the, in my way of seeing it. I just, uh, here's another one that drives me up the wall in addition to the chain link fence. We're going to go to Goshen this year because I really want to see that poll. Yes. But down the center of the track, they got those 32 or 36-inch high banners the whole way. Well, on the opposite track, I can't see what the tires are doing. And as an announcer, I know that that tells me a lot about what's going on at a pole. And as a fan, I like to watch that too. And I can't, I can't see one of the tracks do that. I just can't see it because of the way it's set up. I hate that. I know why the banners are there, but I hate it. You got to have them, and I understand that. And you know what? That's one thing with Bowling Green is I understand every seat's a premium there. It, you know, there you got the lawn chair viewing that covers a hundred feet. Then on the south side, then you're then you got the trophy circle area. Yeah. By the time you're sitting, let's say in the seventh row of the covered grandstand, from there to the first to the south side track, you got two hundred fifty feet between you. Yeah. That's a long distance. Yeah, there's a lot of tracks that are like that where you're so far removed from it, it doesn't. Now equate that over. You know, Pythagorean theorem and all that, you know, I'm sorry, Dave Foltz. I'll email you, try to explain this to you. Better yet, my wife's a math teacher. We'll have her get a hold of you and explain this so you understand this one. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to keep picking on him every time we get a chance. You're going to let your wife talk to Dave? I'm going to have to translate. No way at all. She already <laughs> met Dave. She was there oh, in the studio right. yeah, she was there, me. yeah. I kept her as far away as I could, you know. <laughs> but, uh Pythagorean theorem. Okay, you're 250 foot directly away from the track straight out. How far does that put the start line? Let's face it. Even when they go one-to-one with the clutch where things really start to happen, you're, what, 75 foot down the track. You're 500 feet away? Yeah. Yep. That's a long distance. Yeah, it doesn't do it for me. It just no. doesn't do it. I, I look at ambiance-type smaller pole places uh, here here locally in the Thumb, so people, people here will get this. Get these two references, Armada, of course, uh, at the fair, and Ubly. Yes. You don't get any more intimate in a sport of pulling than Ubly. You are on top of that track, anywhere you are in that in the, in the facility. Oh, yeah. As a puller, I mean, you go to one sideline or the other, and you got people staring at you eye to eye as you're yeah. going down. Yeah. You can't you can get almost, more intimate. You can almost reach your hand out and give the driver a high five on the way back. You, Bye. It's that. You could that with much. with the typical line of the left, left side line. You, yeah. You could. But, you know, two others... I've heard, I've heard Langford, New York is that way. I haven't been there, but I've heard Langford is like that. Two others that stick out for me just because of kind of the Inwood-type setting. It has to be Goodles, 
with yeah, Goodles with the horseshoe with the horseshoe hill around the track. Yeah, and then Metamora, which there is quite oh, a God. gap. I but forgot Metamora, about Metamora. Wow, with their beautiful natural hillside there, the pits are on top, so you can walk around the pits. They're up on top of the hill above the track. Above the track, and then you got this unobstructed view coming down. It is a they're beautiful, doing, beautiful setting. Up in the fields behind it, they're doing, doing hot, hot air, air balloon, balloon launches and helicopter and rides. Helicopter rides are going. The helicopters on. buzzing over yeah. us. I've got pictures of the track from that helicopter. It's just that's cool. It is a great setting, and you know you get to pulls. I don't want to pick on any in particular, but Bad Axe is one that really stands out to me. Oh yeah, the grandstands a the pain to be there. Yeah, the track is across across the. Um, it's in the infield. Track. It's in the infield it's now because in the they moved it down off the horse track. Yeah. So again, you're a ways away, and you're contained to this narrow grandstand. You know, you're very contained in that one. Yeah. It's, it really makes it difficult. But that's another pull. Celine's a pull that's like that. It's very intimate. You're right on top of the track, but they get that stinking fence in the way. Fowlerville's another one where you're a ways oh, away. Yeah. Way you're, you are the track. so far away there. I, I, I honestly wouldn't pay. I mean, you know you're a ways away from the track when they literally put folding chairs on the horse track to create more seats there. And it's still a safe distance. So. Yeah. But you know, we talked. You talked about the cost of a pull. Absolutely, as a puller, nothing frustrates me more than I go to a pull. I'm bringing a tractor with me to compete with. I'm part of what's being put putting on the show, where I have to pay a gate entry. Yes, and at some pulls, a pit entry. Yeah, both. And it's like I'm bringing your show, and you're charging me. And to then come I've in? gotten hit before for a hook entry. Yeah. And literally one pull, and I'm not going to say it because the guys who put it on are great guys, treat us right. But I was not a member of Thumb Tractor Pulling. I got nailed at the first gate. I brought my brother with me. $6. I got nailed before I went to the pits. I think by the time I got done there, I was at $26. Then I paid $40 hook. I had $66 to come in 13th place out of 17th. You know, it's frustrating. I'm I'm spending how much in fuel to travel up here, and you just want to keep taking more and more yeah. from us. Yeah. You know, and I went and got the membership. That canceled a lot of that out. But it's like, no, we're putting on the show for you. You need to take care of your puller. Another one that frustrated me, they're no longer a pull, is North Branch. And they did one of the things you brought up. $15, $10 or $15 per person to get back in the pit area. Yeah, they charge for pit access, and that's. I'm sorry, that's a non-starter for me. If this is going to be motorsports, you've got you got to let people get to get to you. The whole thing about going to a tractor pull is getting there early. Yeah, and it's not to watch them grade a track off and work it up. No, Ooh, it's no. to go back to the pits. Who's here today? Yeah, I love getting there as early as I can. Oh yeah, especially us now working the poles. Well, we get there's there as that's, early a diff- as we, that's a different but element. But even we can when get I was a there kid, early. We can actually get the best seat of the house. We can sit in the announcer's booth. One good one, Port Hope, where we're elevated up. And we can yeah. get a watch of haulers swing in off of Port Hope Road and yeah. see who's coming in. Oh, that's a fun That's a fun place to announce because, you know, everybody's just... That's another one, actually, where it's a good, intimate track and everybody's yeah. right there. And really, it's one of the few places we go to where we, we can announce and literally, like, 
if we're doing a good job, that feedback is instantaneous. We can hear and converse with people yeah, in the there's crowd. There's a guy here. standing right next to the Model T box. I mean, they're literally them. right. The people are literally right there. You're not divorced from the proceedings high up atop some grandstand locked away in some white box. You're right there with everybody. It's cool. Which is part of the reason you see me. I know Armada, you were up in the box. I can't stand that. I like being trackside. I have to have that well, Armada feedback can, and work. It's, Inside baseball, for announcing purposes, what Armada, somebody has to be up there. Yeah, for for clerking duties, you just you're, there's no other way you're going to get the distances or the lineup. You have to. Somebody's got to be up there. But there's a lot of poles. I have to be. You know, Metamore's one. You'll be up on the trail. I've got to be out walking. I got to be able. You know, because that was one thing. Tom Hart's a great in announcing. I know one of your favorites. One of my favorites. Grew, growing up, grew up on him. Yeah. And one of the biggest things that always stuck out with me when you went to a poll where tom announces tom was always on a wireless microphone oh i love being uh, yeah so you can move i love being able to move there are some places you can't but i love to and tom would come and he'd sit next to a young kid and he'd go okay you want to announce this tractor he would feed to you what you need yeah. to say and there was an eight-year-old kid that would announce and i've told you before that was my first time announcing yeah. a tractor poll was i believe that one was either at our it was at armada Actually, it was a year my youngest brother was born, so I was eight years old. And uh, I got to announce the tractor. I think it was Screaming Demon, if I remember right. Could just be a childhood fantasy. That would explain but, your obsession with that one. Well, that one, and it's just a cool tractor. But, uh, you know, and it, it really may help tie in everything. And I think that's another part about how what helps make these polls more intimate is when the guy who's actually telling the story of what's going on, because let's face it, we're not just announcers. We're storytellers out there. Yeah. We're the one translating what actually went on on the track to something they can digest, you know, with an average knowledge. And I probably overlooked it. That's something that probably a fan would say is, is important to the a announcer. good poll is the announcer. And, and I, it's, you know, most of the polls I go to, it's me. So I just don't necessarily register that or think about it. But, you know, and that's something, you know, makes a big difference. But the fact he was out there and walking amongst the crowd in his white, you know, Wolverine NTPA uniform, you know, that was cool stuff for a guy. You know, this guy gets, you know, he's making buku bucks. You know, he's got to be famous. He knows all these famous guys pulling, you know. Uh, if only that were true. <laughs> <laughs> nope. But, you know, th that that's what's viewed. And actually, I have to give you a point on that is uh, my wife's school teacher. One of her uh, co-workers is friends with... Uh, Troy and Nikki Kasiba, the, yeah. the Under Pressure Chevrolet 3.0 truck, now 2.5. And uh, my wife was talking with her, and their kids were there. And they go, she goes, well, you know her husband, right? No, no. Well, he's one of the guys who announced Armada. And they go, really? Can we get his autograph? <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm a nobody. Yeah. But then you put yourself in the spot of them kids, which is where you were at Armada, where I was yeah. at Armada, we they we, we were the big name guys. We were the voice that was explaining everything. Yeah, to them. I, I can kind of remember that when I first started announcing, you know, back in the early two thousands, and you know, pre for like for you, it's screaming demon. For me, it's always been the Preparation H tractor. I forget where we were. I walked into a poll, and uh, Tom Harmon's, "Hey, Charlie, come out over here," and you know, starts talking to me like this guy knows who the hell I am. Wow. You know, <laughs> just one of those moments, you know, and I think that's one of them, you know, when you get in this, you 
when you finally feel that you're in as an announcer, yeah. and I'm sure the other guys on polling radio network, other than uh, the Godfather, because he doesn't announce, but yet. Uh, yet we'll we'll get him out doing that yet. But the other guys can relate when you realize you finally made it as you're in is when the puller is coming up to you and telling you what changes they made to their tractor. Yeah. They're telling you, hey, make sure you push this. Or, you know, well, good one for me when I was up in Alpena, the Bushy family. Uh, uh, TR came up to me and Kate goes, hey, look at this clip. And it was a picture of his son, Jed, who also pulled same class with him and goes, this is Jed pulling. Make sure you hit on this and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, told me the name of the yeah. tractor. And all. You know, that's when you realize, you know, you've been accepted in that family that, you you know, they think something of you. And I could be out of wrong, wrong with that. And please, if I am wrong, get a hold of us. AP at sidetrackpulling.com because I love hearing when I'm wrong. My wife tells me it all the time. So. But I think it's important for us as announcers, too, though, to never lose sight of the fact that, you know, what what we're there to do. We're and just the go-between. We're a go-between, but I don't want to ever... It's nice to feel like you're accepted on that level, but on some level, I, I don't want to forget where I came from and what it's about. And I still, I still hero-worship all these guys who get to go out and do that stuff, and, and I hope I never lose that feeling. The day, I, the day I start... The day I do lose that feeling, it's time for me to put the mic down and get out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Like I said, it's cool for me is we're talking about the next generation of big names coming up, you know. Lee Butts, Steve Francis were names that weren't heard of, you know, 15 years ago when we were talking about our heyday where we had Max Simpson, Tom Harmon, the Raps family, you know, get on a bigger level. The Sullivan still, the Tedders, the Joe Stocks, the Wilcox, which you name you revived here for us, you know, um, where those were the big names that you looked out. Danny Dean, the rooster, you look yeah. forward to egg clock with uh, red hot, you know, the names go on and on. And you don't realize there's another generation following up that yeah. are memorizing them names, you know, whether it be Troy and push on you're under pressure or big one, Tony Burkhardt with, you know, the dirty hooker, you know, name. You can't really take your kid to school and have them explain, but, you know, but you keep going, you know, not to mention it's iterations, including nasty, which I heard about today. <laughs> <laughs> Nasty hooker going to the dyno today. <laughs> oh, that's who it was. Yeah. I have a threat here on our instant feedback, which is Facebook Messenger. But uh, Mr. Nathan Drab, I'm giving you two hours to fill me in on who went to the dyno. Well, he, uh, he's, he says above that it wasn't. It was not breaking news to him, so he knew. <laughs> so... You know, I, I, I think we're both in agreement here. And like I said, I'd love to hear other people's thoughts on this because I know we're probably not the only ones who think like this, but we are probably got some contradictory views on it. And I want to hear them contradictory views because, you know, that's what helps make this show better is, you know, knowing you guys are actually paying attention to what we've been talking about for the last 90 minutes. Nobody listens. Nobody cares. Nope, nobody cares. Well, I have a microphone and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say. <laughs> and you know what? This is the first poll I haven't, or first show I haven't ranted on yet. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Save it for next week because we are just about out of time. Yep, we're gonna finish, start wrapping things up here. Um, once again, get a hold of us on Facebook. Uh, sidetracked with Armstead and Posh. Thank and you. Gotta make sure you get that right. That's two O's because this. Is, ancestors can spell you'll have that on the big jobs but uh, 
go on our website, uh, www.sidetrackpulling.com. Email us, ap at sidetrackpulling.com. Like I said, be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Spread the word. Um, you can go on, see our old episodes, see what we're posting, what's interesting to us on the sport. Um, we just followed the Godfather here with this episode. So yeah. uh, Eric Pruitt and the Throwback Thursday. Uh, Boy, what a ratings boost he's given us by giving that lead in, man. You know, that that's great. You know, I got to love that. But uh, Not that I care about ratings. I'm doing, mm, doing this show because I want to, not because I think. It, it always helps. Like and it. Uh, let's see here. Helps pull. with advertising. <laughs> and we'll pull up here. I don't. I'll talk to the wall about pulling. I don't care if you're listening. I know you do that all the time. Yes, I do. Uh, who do they have up on Friday night? I can't. I'm drawing a blank on it, Charles. Um, I think uh, that's the Kentucky pulling uh, news show, uh, Jesse Dawson's, I believe. Could be. I, uh, I'm not seeing it come up. Oh, God. We're going to get hate mail from Ray. Yeah. The, the, ward, the warden's going to lock us back <laughs> in the cell. But uh, make sure you listen to all the um, radio shows out there, whether it's Dave Foles, the resident redneck, and oh, by God, is he ever. Um, the Godfather, Eric Pruitt, on Thursdays. You know, lots of great shows out there. Be sure you listen, give them a listen to. Even Kenny Eggleston. He's got a new show Utah. starting this week, too, on oh, uh, Sunday's cool. half-hour show, 6.30, I think, Mountain. Uh, it's about men. Uh, Going to talk motorsports, guns, prepping, advice for men about how to handle women, which, geez, how is he going to half-hour? Half-hour half half hour show? Lord. <laughs> He's optimistic. Uh, yeah. So with that, we're going to wrap things up. Once again, be sure to support our sponsors. And... Uh, Thank you, Pulling Radio Network, for welcoming us into the fold and joining the family. My name's Andrew Armstead. I'm Charles Posh. And uh, we got Nick Meyer, our sound engineer. And uh, this is Sidetracked on Pulling Radio Network. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. It was terrible. Get him away. Hey, Boo. Boo. Get out my trailer! I want you out!